Here we have it. Good morning, everyone. It really is uh, great to see you this morning. Welcome, welcome. And uh, missed you last week. Bring a greeting from uh, the church up in a shower. We had the privilege of doing a, a leadership handover there. They got a new pastor, uh, Adrian and Heike Bartel, are taking over the leadership up there in uh, in a shower, and they send lots of love. And had a great Muso team. Was super stoked to have uh, one of our Muso teams leading worship as well. So thank you for that. And uh, really good to be together. I have to say I had the privilege, I think it was a privilege, of being uh, invited to speak at youth on Friday night. I loved it, except they made me drink. They made me drink one of those Nando's extra hot burger chips and Coke blended into one. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, youth was amazing. I I say that because uh, I was actually blown away. Friday night, I haven't been to youth for a while. It must have been 80 to 100 teenagers on a Friday night. God is doing a great thing. And so uh, if you have teenagers or no teenagers, I was super blown away to see the worship, to see uh, how it happened and the small groups, how they're happening. Really want to commend our youth team. They're doing an amazing job and we want to say thank you to the Lord. He's stirring up the young people. Amen. Wonderful. Well, hopefully uh, if you got one of these, what you hold it up, got one of these. Who? Uh, there we go. There we go. If you haven't yet got one of these, we'd love to give you one. Free gift. You don't have to sign anything. Free gift. If you want one and we'd love you to have one, why don't you put up your hand and the angels in red are going to float across in your direction. There's a whole bunch of hands there. Please grab one because we've got some work to do here in the front as well for our visitors. Um, so please do keep your hand up until uh, someone comes along and, uh, and grabs it. As you know, we're beginning a brand new campaign. It's... Uh, for the next six weeks, we're going to be studying this, this idea, this topic of identity and what it means and how important it is. And uh, so I want you, if you do have your manual in front of you, I want to explain a few things. If you don't mind opening it up very quickly and uh, sharpen your pens because uh, on page four, let's go right now, turn to page four. You thought a oh, free manual. No, no, no. That means there's work to be done. Exactly. Page number four is where I want to see you taking notes today. You don't have to, but I've got some pictures I'm going to show. Some more hands down this side, guys, as well, and uh, and this side. So uh, if you've got a pen with you, and I hope you do, please make some notes. For the next six weeks, we're going to be preaching on a Sunday morning about this crucial topic of identity. And uh, so if you don't mind, take some notes, draw some pictures, pretend you're making notes anyway. It'll encourage me, and that would be super helpful. On page number five, right next to it, you'll see uh, that the heading is Identity Series Week 1. Why and what do I need to change? And then you'll see some information with a whole lot of blank spaces. It's not just what we do on a Sunday. Another crucial element to this campaign is what we do during the week. We've got a, a set of six short teaching videos that go with this, where you listen to it, you make some notes, you fill in the blank, and then you do some discussions in small group. Now, about half of the church is already in some kind of small groups, which is fantastic. And you, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday night, you're going to be take, take your manual, please, with you to Connect Group on Tuesday or Wednesday, because you're going to be watching those videos and filling in the answers and doing discussion. For the other half of the church, if you're not in a small group, I would love to invite you to, I don't know if such a thing exists, but a mega big small group. Yeah, I know it sounds kind of weird, but what we're going to do for the next six weeks is we're going to have one big group right here at the church. 
So, so you don't have to join a whole long, now just for the next six weeks, if you're available, in fact, the young adults have kicked us out of the hall. We don't get the hall, we get the youth hall. But Scott and Yolanda are gonna be heading that up. I'm gonna be there with some of the others. And uh, just for the next six weeks, we'd love you to come along. Six o'clock is this, 6.30, there we go. 6.30, there it is, 6.30 to 8.30. We'd love you to come along for the next uh, six weeks, free of charge, bring your manual, and we're gonna go through those videos and then do a little bit of discussion around some of the tables. We'd love you to join us for that. If you fast forward now, all the way to page number 18. Page number 18, and you'll see right at the heading, Identity, Week 1, Day 1, I am an image bearer. What else this manual consists of is 36 days of daily devotion. And so what we'd love you to do is tomorrow morning, you wake up Monday, and that doesn't mean church is over for the week. No, no, no. We are lifestyle Christians, not once a week Christians. And so we want to work this into our life day by day. And so we're going to invite you to use this as a devotional series for the next six weeks. And so tomorrow morning, day one, you bring out your Bible, you read through the scriptures, make some notes, and hopefully your life is going to be transformed over the next six weeks. And Heavenly Father, that's my prayer this morning. As we open up your word together, as we study this crucial, crucial subject, I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that in the Old Testament, we learn of this, this name of our God, Yahweh. I am who I am. The great I am. Jesus, you said, I am. And Lord God, you are the God of identity. And Father, if identity is, is, is your very name, then how important should it surely be for us to reflect your identity to the world? And so, Father, we commit these next six weeks, and we pray, Lord God, that this would be a tool in your hand, not to entertain us. No, no, no. Father, we want to be changed, not just to educate us, but to transform us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take us on this journey of transformation. Come and speak to each and every one of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, let's dive right in. Before I get uh, into some pictures that I want to show you, I've been pondering, why is this identity? Well, now, when we talk about identity, basically we're talking about what you see as true about you. What do you believe about you? That's your identity. The way you see yourself, the way you identify yourself, the image that you have of yourself, that's your identity. I want to give you two reasons. Number one, I've been, uh, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of uh, books written and uh, talks made and bound habits and how important it is to build healthy habits in your life because ultimately your habits are going to determine your behavior and your destiny. But one of the discoveries they've made is that you'll never be able to change your habits without first changing your identity. For example, 1st of January arrives, you get out of bed and you normally just throw the sheets, You're not blankets because we don't use them in Richard's Bay, you throw the sheets and everything on the floor, but 1st of January you wake up and you think, no, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. From this day forward, I'm going to make my bed. And day one, you make your bed. Day two, you make your bed. Day three, you throw the sheet kind of backish onto the bedish sort of thing. Day four, you're a little bit late. Day five, it hasn't even crossed your mind. And after that, you're back to your same old habit. Anyone identify? Somebody? Now, problem here is not about making your bed. Chances are your identity is still one of, well, I'm not a very disciplined person. 
I mean, you get some disciplined people. That I'm, I don't see myself as a disciplined person. And now you're trying to take on the habit of a disciplined person. And guess what? It doesn't work. Why? Because our behavior always aligns itself with our real identity. So before your behavior changes, first your identity has to change. Now this is huge because we know then that as our behavior changes, so our destiny unfolds. And if we want to land in the destiny that God has for us, we've got to start living the life God has called us to, but we're never going to live the behavior if we haven't first changed the identity. And so in a very real way, without being overly dramatic, your destiny depends on your identity. If you don't get your identity aligned with God's identity for you, you'll never get your destiny aligned with what God has destined for you. Let me take a crazy example. I do not believe that in my destiny, I will ever run the Comrades Marathon. The reason is, I'm a terrible runner, useless, honestly useless. After all the years of trying, I still can't even finish a 5K run because I seem to get progressively worse, not better. The problem, I actually believe, is not so much my running as my identity because I know and fully believe, I'm fully persuaded that I'm a useless runner. And try as I might, I'll never run better as long as I'm holding on to this identity of being, and helpfully my wife reinforces that as well. She's a great runner. But I just know it. I'm useless. And so here's the point. Your destiny is not going to change until your identity changes. And that's why this is so critical. Lord God, if we want to walk in the destiny you have for us, we've got to get our identity aligned with your identity for us. Make sense? Second reason why, for me, this is so, so crucial is uh, Matthew 4 verse, uh, I think 4 verse 3 is the, the story when Jesus was tempted. Maybe you've got that scripture for us in, uh, in Matthew 4. And the uh, story is Jesus goes, here we go. Jesus is in the desert. He's led by the Holy Spirit. And then remember, Satan comes along, the tempter. Satan came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, every time Satan came to tempt, to spiritually attack Jesus, he always started with the words, if you're the son of God. In other words, Satan has revealed to us right here the cornerstone of his spiritual attack against our lives and against the world is start with the identity. If Satan can get Jesus maybe beginning to doubt his identity, then he'll want to prove his identity. If you can doubt your identity, then you'll change someone's identity. And what he's revealed to us here is that's his strategy against the world. That's his strategy against your life. If Satan can get you doubting, disbelieving, or buying into a whole bunch of lies about your identity, he knows he can get you to start living a life where you have to prove your identity all the time. Or you're doubting your identity, or you're trying to be something God never called you to be. Once again, this is why it's critical. We have to understand God's identity for us and be secure in it if we're going to live a victorious life and overcome the enemy. The big idea is that identity is a big idea. Having said that, let's get graphic. Here is the yellow circle. I want you to picture for a moment that yellow circle as what God sees. Now, the world often speaks about truth, but for me, there's two kinds of truth. There's the truth, capital letters. The truth is God's truth. I'm an absolute truther. 
In other words, I believe truth is absolute and it comes from God. I believe truth is greater than me and I believe I need to bow my knee to Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So there is the truth. The truth is unchanging. The truth is God defined. The truth is what God sees. And when God looks at you and I, He looks at us and He sees the truth about you. Whether you feel it, I love that song. I got quite emotional when, when, when we were singing that past song. Even if I don't feel loved, you say that I'm loved. Even if I'm feeling weak, you say that I'm strong. And sometimes we can buy in because of our emotions and our past, but that does not change the yellow circle. The yellow circle is what God says, this is true about you. Whether you feel it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change, it's the yellow circle. Problem is there's another circle. What I believe this is my truth written in little letters. This is what I believe. For me, it's true, but it might be a big fat pack of lies. And all of us have a yellow circle because it's in the word of God, but all of us have a white circle as well. You've lived your life and you've developed your truth, what you believe to be true about you. The difference between the yellow circle and the white circle, we call an identity gap. And the identity gap is what causes the drama, the frustrations, the brokenness, and all of that in our lives. What we're praying and hoping and trusting God is to get the white circle and the yellow circle to overlap. A little girl, beautiful young girl, runs home in tears. Her dad greets her, and, and she just in tears tells her, dad, dad, I'm ugly. She says, what do you mean you're ugly? You're beautiful. God's made you beautiful. You're one of his glorious creatures. He says, no, there's this boy at school and he's horrible to me and he's told me I'm ugly. What's happened? She's bought in now to what some nasty little kid has been saying about her, but for her it's now become true. Now she started to believe it. Just because people have said it to her, she started believing this has become her truth. And that's what happens in every one of our lives. In fact, if we put numbers to it, let's go through it. Number one is the overlap. Now the overlap, we praying, is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The overlap is when what God says about you, Tians, and what you believe about you, line up. I'm a child of God. I am strong, even when I'm feeling weak. And the more we believe what God has spoken about us, that's what releases life. That's what releases faith. If you've got faith for it, there's grace for it. And that's when we believe, begin to walk victoriously. And our prayer is over the next six weeks, we're going to see number one getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Number two is those things that God says about you that are true, but you don't believe them yet. Maybe through ignorance, you've never heard it. Maybe through deception, you just can't buy into it. God says you are washed. You are cleansed. You are holy. Yeah, God, I know you say that, but I don't really think that applies to me. If, if you knew my past, if you knew the things that I had done to others, people had done to me, I, 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 I can't accept it. I still feel, I can't forgive myself. I still feel dirty on the inside. What's happening? God has said it, but you haven't yet believed it. And so the problem there is now you're living in brokenness. You're living outside of the fullness God has for you because even though it's true about you, you haven't yet taken hold of it. And then circle number three are those things which you think are true about you, which are a big fat pack of lies. It's not God's idea at all. 
You've embraced like the little girl who suddenly thought, now I'm ugly. No, that's a lie. And you've built a stronghold inside of you. Things spoken over you, things said to you during your upbringing. And, uh, and that's why my question to you of these two circles is simply this. Which circle can move? Only the white one can move. God's truth will never move because he's the unshakable rock on which we take our stand. So the only two of those, if we talk about, we want the two circles to close the identity gap, guess which circle has to move? It's the white one. And the only way the white circle moves is that powerful biblical word called repentance. It's when we begin to recognize, actually, I've been believing a lie. I've been allowing feeling to be the foundation of my life that has been defining me. I've been allowing things that have been spoken by people in the past to define me. My biggest wrestle in, um, in ministry is I'm introverted by background. I've told my story before and, and actually quite shy and get anxious, get nervous, all of those things. And as I started in ministry, I began to more and more realize, Lord, it, it doesn't seem right because I started comparing myself to others. And, and you get those kind of pastors, they, they want to sit on the front foot, and, I mean, on the front row, and they're always front-footed and they're confident and they're extroverted, and I'm not. I mean, if I didn't have to sit here, I would be like row seven or eight. There, I'm a row seven or eight kind of person. And so slowly this lie began to, I see myself as, I don't know if I can really be a great leader. I don't know if I can be a great preacher because I just, I'm struggling, I'm nervous, I'm shy. And so what happens is that number three begins to grow inside of you. I don't know if I could ever. And the only way that changes is through repentance. It's like, Lord, it's not about what I feel. It's not about me comparing myself to others. What have you said about me? And when I read in Jeremiah, before you were born, I formed you in the womb. I set you apart. I appointed you. Repentance came and the circles begin to move. So let's move along. Big idea, poor behavior springs from poor beliefs. And we're going to be trusting God over the next couple of weeks. In fact, that's what Paul, I'm sure, wrote in Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing that circle three, renewing that to align it with circle number two, what God says about you. The key passage that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks is so important that I want you to turn to it in your big blue manual. <laughs> so if you open the front cover right in front of you is Ephesians chapter one. And I'm going to read to you just the first eight verses. This is a good time if a word stands out to you, if a phrase stands out to you, it's good to underline it. Maybe the Holy Spirit will trigger something inside of you. For those of you online, I'm so pleased to have you join us. Won't you follow along in your Bible as well? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. As we go through this now, I want you to look for some yellow circle evidence. See if you can pick up as I read, hey, that's yellow circle stuff. That stuff that God declares as truth over who I am, whether I feel it or not. So, to God's holy people in Ephesus, I mean right there, God declares us holy. 
the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. There's a whole lot there, and I just want to uh, pull out a couple of things over the next Six weeks, we're going to be diving deeper into some of those treasures, but I just want to highlight a couple of them now. Six things, part of that yellow circle that God says, we are one of God's holy people. Holy, do you know what holy really means? When I think holy, I normally thought kind of squeaky clean, shiny. Holy means set apart. Been set apart. That, uh, that table in some ways was given to us as a gift. It's been set apart. That's our communion table. It's not some big religious type thing. It's got a special function in its life. It's not just for ordinary. That's our communion table. You and I are called to be holy. When God saved you, he set you apart and said, I've got a holy purpose and plan for your life. My life is holy unto the Lord. He's got a sacred plan for my life. It said that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I was confronted by the Lord a while back. I felt the Lord just drop into my heart. I think I was whining about something, about not having enough money for something or whatever. And I felt the Lord drop in my heart. Brent, you're probably one of the most wealthy men in the whole city. I thought, well, Lord, if you saw my bank account. And then I began to realize, actually, Lord, you're right. When I look around, my family, inheritance, opportunities that I have, the friendship circle, the leaders, the people that I get to work with, I suddenly realize, Lord, you've given me health. Lord, I truly am one of the wealthiest men that I know. And I suddenly realize I've just been seeing things in the wrong way. This is the, this is the opposition I'm going to be going off to to Zimbabwe in a week's time, and then we've got Pakistan, India. This is the enemy that we face right there. This poverty type, I'm not enough, I haven't got enough, I can't survive without. No, no, we are blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you see yourself as borderline poverty or under poverty or just scraping through? Or have you yet attained understanding in Christ? Actually, we are incredibly wealthy when we begin to understand our inheritance in Christ, I have access to my Father in heaven and he can take care of all of my needs. He has another one. He said, I am chosen. Before the creation of the world, I'm chosen. Hmm. You know, there are 8 billion people in the world, yet God has chosen you and I. I met someone uh, recently, I was at a function and uh, actually up in a shower last week in the church. So a couple of German folk there, and, and he spoke about it and reminded me of the school. I went to a primary school down on the south coast, Azotsch, a primary school, kind of back of Uvongo sort of area where I was growing up. It was a little German school, and uh, as part of that school, those were the days, no rugby or anything like that. All we played is soccer, 
And I had, my wife told me it was probably the, the crowning moment of my, my, my athletic career because it's been downhill ever since. I was chosen to play for the inter-district soccer team, the only one in our school. And I remember to play for this, we had our practices like Tuesday, Thursday. I'd have to change at break time so that straight after school I could be picked up for the practices, which meant for at least half the school day, I had to wear the special soccer outfit for the inter-district soccer team. I probably did terribly at the soccer, but one thing I recall after all these years, I'm chosen. You know when people ask you, wow, Bren, well, that uniform, shiny red and whatever colors it was, yeah, I'm chosen. Do you know what it's like? Your identity. God, you chose me. You chose me. Someone asked Mother Teresa when, when she, she embarked on this calling, you know, to, to try and feed and care for the most destitute people in the world. Literally, she was looking after the, the homeless people in India. I mean, India is probably one of the poorest nations. And so if you're homeless in India, there's not really much lower that you can go. And yet here she was rejoicing in the fact that she can dedicate her life to caring for the homeless, destitute people on the streets in India. And the archbishop came to her and said, I'm so sorry, my dear, that God didn't give you a slightly better assignment. She said, what do you mean? It's, it's irrelevant what assignment God has given me. God chose me. He chose me for an assignment. And I mean, that's a beautiful when God chose me to do something for him. It's actually irrelevant what it is. I'm not irrelevant, but you hear what I'm saying. The fact of the matter is her identity. God has chosen me. I'm adopted. Adopted. I only have uh, about three stories that I love telling, and this is one of them. You've probably heard it six times. If you're part of Believer's Training, you'll hear it another six times in the next eight weeks. But it was a story that's impacted me so much about uh, one pastor's wife was telling me the high school that she went to, and, and the, the headmaster at this particular high school was one of those strict old school headmasters. These were the days when if you're naughty, you, you, you get caned. Anyone remember those days? Yes. And, uh, and so you'd go to the headmaster's door office with fear and trepidation, half hoping he's not there to get out of it, but half hoping he is there just to get it over and done because you've been dreading it. And you knock on his door and then you have to confess your sin or he already knows about it. And based on your felony, he'll decide how many lashes you get. <clears throat> based on how he's feeling that day, he'll go for the super flex cane, the medium flex cane, no flex cane, whatever it is. He'll choose the cane of the day. And as you bend, he will like, he was feared, except by <clears throat> one person in the high school. It was a girl. And she didn't even knock. When she went to the headmaster's office, she just barged straight in. In fact, she liked the headmaster's chair so much because it had wheels and could spin around. She would tell the headmaster to get off his chair because she wanted to sit on the chair to be able to spin around. She went to the cupboard and she played with the canes, pretending that she was whipping someone. What's the difference? Of course, this was the headmaster's daughter. And, and she went to a high school where everyone in the whole school feared her dad, but she didn't because it's my dad. I want to ask you today, your identity. Are you a naughty school child in creation, fearfully coming before an angry God? Or are you his son or his daughter? And you just burst into the throne room. It says we come confidently, boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy. You don't get mercy when you've been good. You get mercy when you've been bad. But you come boldly into the throne of grace, confidently, because you know, Dad, I've messed up again. I need you. 
But if you haven't got an identity, I'm his son. I'm his son. If, you, if that's not part of your identity, you'll probably live in guilt and shame and condemnation, tiptoeing before God in prayer. Please, God. Identity. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. The world is, is tr- let me tread carefully here because I know, let me just say it this way. The, the world is in such a state in terms of emotional unhealthiness, mental unhealthiness, physical unhealthiness on all kinds of medication. I'm not saying it's wrong, but the root is not normally just physical, even emotional or mental. It's actually spiritual. At the root of so much mental, physical, and emotional sickness is this thing of living with shame. Shame. If people knew the real me inside, we carry guilt and shame inside of us, and so medicate, do all of these kind of things, escape to try and get away. This is, no, no, no. In Christ, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And when that light comes on, when we get that realization, that's who I am. I live as a forgiven person. I've already been judged. The sin that I'll probably commit tomorrow, please help me not to, Lord. But if I do commit a sin tomorrow, it's already been forgiven because I was judged already at the cross 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. I'm grace lavished. Oh, there's so many more on the list. Here's the point. Every one of these things are 100% true for your life, but most of us don't believe it 100%. In fact, if, if we trace our dysfunctionality, and let's be honest, all of us have our areas of dysfunctionality. If you trace your dysfunctionality back to its root, guess what you're going to find? Identity problem. Somewhere along the line, you're living in sphere three instead of believing sphere two. You're living in the white instead of the yellow. You haven't yet embraced what God has said. And so as the pressure mounts, hardship, pain, unanswered prayer, as you feel the temptation, guess what? Satan comes. Are you really? Do you really? Does God really love you? Has he really blessed you in the heavenly realms? Maybe he's forgotten you. Struggle with guilt, shame, acceptance, Have you really begun to believe what God has said about you? Let me land today just practically. uh, If we go back to the Ephesians text on your first page, I want to read verses 17 and 18 to you. When Paul, the great apostle who wrote this, understanding the power of our identity, he wrote this to the church. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What I want to focus on is those two words. In fact, I'd love you to underline them. He said in verse number, number 17, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That word revelation, underline it, revelation. And then verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know what enlightened means? It means that the lights come on. How do you know in your house when load shedding is over? I mean, normally, I know for us, it's even if we have it it's during the day, it's normally the, the, the microwave pings 
the alarm system beeps, whatever it is, it's, and sometimes there's a fan on somewhere, so you know straight away when load shedding's over because it's like ping, beep, whatever, and zoop. That's what Paul's praying for. When he was praying for churches, he's not praying, bless their building project, help them to grow. No, he's praying, please, Lord, give them an end of load shedding moment where they go from darkness to light. When the penny drops and you suddenly realize, I am a child of God. I am. I'm his son. I am loved by my father. I don't have to prove it. I am. Let the lights come on. One of my greatest examples is David. I've shared it often. When he had this amazing revelation that the Lord is He's my shepherd. He watches over me. I'm like a sheep. And then suddenly he has this realization in verse 6. And he goes, surely, that's like the microwave bing. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely. I mean, if he's my shepherd and I'm just following the shepherd, then surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Surely, it's like bing. Friends, I want us to, to pray. In fact, we've got a, we've got a little prayer up on, and this is, this is a bit corny, but Chad taught me that sometimes you can do corny but not cheesy. So I'm hoping this is corny and not cheesy. But uh, I want us to, to pray this out loud together, okay? On the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. May you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. That's what I want you to pray. And maybe even write that down, jot that down somewhere. Make this your day or take a photo. That's a good idea. Leave it up there for a moment. Take a photo. Let that become part of your daily prayer. Over the next couple of weeks, the next five weeks, we're going to dive in to some of the big ones. What does it mean when your identity lines up with what God says? You are a child of God. Secondly, we're going to look at, I'm a servant. I'm a son but I'm also a servant of the Most High God. We're going to look at what does it mean to be a saint? Yep, after that, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be in Zimbabwe. And when I'm greeted, I want you to greet me. St. Brent, it's lovely to see you. Because I want us to realize, what does it mean? My identity, we are saints of the Most High God. I'm a citizen of heaven. My primary culture, my primary country is heaven. And I'm an ambassador. I'm here. Part of my identity is to represent the kingdom that I come from. <clears throat> I want to, uh, to finish off. If you turn over now to page number, next page after Ephesians 1. <clears throat> I'm going to read my identity creed. Once again, maybe it's a bit corny. I'm just going to read it over you. But I would love you to read this daily. This is circle yellow. This is what God sees this is the truth. We've got to use that prayer and pray, God, would you open my eyes? I don't want to just know it in my head. I want to know it in my heart. My identity creed, I am a child of God. I'm made in the image of God. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I was chosen by him before the world began. I'm loved more than I will ever know. My father knows me. My father cares for me. He takes great delight in me. I have been redeemed, I've been set free, I have been forgiven, I'm a saint. I'm loved in the beloved. I'm designed and destined for great purposes in Him. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, I'm God's holy temple, I'm intended to live for His glory. Christ dwells in me. 
I'm a new creation. I'm a child of the light. I'm part of a new family. I'm precious, I'm called, I'm empowered, I'm God's inheritance, I'm co-heir with Christ, I have the mind of Christ, I am dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I am a child of God. Father, I pray, this morning as as we just take a moment in Your presence, Father God, we want to repent that white circle all the way over, closing the identity gap until the white circle is lost behind the yellow circle of the truth. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your truth is eternal. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and I pray the prayer that Paul prayed, Lord God, even now, Would you come and open the eyes of our heart, not just our understanding intellectually, but the eyes of our heart. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for that we would be enlightened, the light bulbs would go off, that our identity would change. Father God, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would wrestle out of our hearts our stubborn, long-term held lies that have been identifying us. Maybe they come from a a broken past. Maybe they come from what people have spoken over our lives. Wherever they come from, in the name of Jesus, we pray, expose them, Holy Spirit, and we want to repent of them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just where you are, why don't you stand with me, please? I want to close off with a prayer. But just with our eyes closed for a moment, when you give your life to God, when you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible says to those who received Him, in other words, to those who humble enough to trust the Lord enough to receive Christ as Lord. Jesus, you're the leader of my life. I'm surrendering to you. I need to be saved. When we receive Him, He gives us the right to become children of God. In other words, without a relationship with God, all you have is a white circle. Only when you're born again, only when you invite Christ to be Lord and Savior, does the yellow circle get imprinted upon your life. And friends, I don't want anybody, our prayer this morning is that every single one of us Yep, we'd have a white circle that's getting smaller, but we'd have a yellow circle because we believers in the truth. And if you're here this morning and have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would love to pray for you. We're not going to invite you to the front right now, but it's good to respond in faith. Why don't you just lift up your hand right there? Is there anyone here today who's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I just want to miss that opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Alrighty, church, I'd love you to join with me in a, in a prayer. For those people right now, you're wrestling with us. Why don't you join me as an encouragement? Let's pray this out loud and say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, who you sent to die in my place for my sin. And today I surrender my heart to you, King Jesus. 
I confess you as Lord of my life. I repent of my sin and surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying for me. I commit myself to living for you. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for all of those who are praying that prayer for the first time with real faith. I pray that they would be radically born again. I pray that they would radically step into your identity and would live in a transformed destiny. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you, Lord God, that we know as we go, we go under the gracious hand of our God. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And God's people saying? Friends, we'd love to pray for folk. We've got the team that's here and ready. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to pray with you right now. Maybe you need healing in your body. You're welcome to join us. Our tithes and offering boxes are at the doors if you want to make use of that. We've got two baptisms now or after. Right now, two baptisms. When you hear the bell, please come and join us at the swimming pool. If you need to be baptized, come and chat to me. God bless. And we see you on Tuesday.